Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Curland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. If you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you probably know that I normally say I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs. But I'm really excited to announce that my second book, The Click That Teaches a Step-by-Step Guide in Pictures, is being reprinted and I've produced a new revised version of the book. So in this reprint, basically it's a completely brand new book. It's going to be ready in just a couple of weeks. So this is an advance notice that the book will very soon be available in the new edition. Very excited about this. And normally, I'm also joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. But this week, we're bringing you the continuation of a very special interview. In July, I had the very great privilege to attend Anya Barron's annual international workshop. Anya Barron is a superb classical trainer, and she is wonderfully, wonderfully generous in sharing her work. For this year's workshop, I was traveling with a group of nine other clicker trainers. We stayed together in a holiday house where we shared meals and lots of laughter and many great discussions. Towards the end of our week together, Anya set aside some time in the evening to sit down with us to answer questions. Last week, we ended with a key question, which was, what is the function of the gymnastic exercises? In particular, why do we bother teaching movements such as piaf and passage or Spanish walk? And for those of you who aren't familiar with dressage terms, in piaf, the horse appears to trot in place. And passage is a very suspended trot where the horse seems to float in the air. And Spanish walk, the horse extends his front legs fully out in front of him with each stride. Done well, these are spectacular movements to watch. They're real crowd pleasers, but there's so much more to why they are taught. We stopped before Anya could answer this question. So that's where we're going to pick up now. I have many, 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 many questions, but I think we have indulged quite a bit. <laughs> and so we will have to save them for another time because they're, they're all the questions that relate to some of the things you were showing us today, such as why Piaf? You know, that it's not just for a competition, it is for the Mm-hmm. for the development of the horse's balance and and uh, it's part of what keeps these horses um, in good condition. Maybe we should just, why not? <laughs> well, that's a good way to end, is, 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 is to talk a little bit about Piaf and, and Spanish walk and, yeah. Why all these exercises? Yeah. Yes. I know, for example, that, so my senior horse, was injured when he was foaled, damaged his back. Spanish walk was, so he, he locked in his bow stifles hard and fast. I've never seen a horse with stifles as bad as his. Mm-hmm. Spanish walk is what changed all of that for him and gave him a body that he could function in. Mm-hmm. So I know the power mm-hmm. of this work and that it's not just for show. It's not just, oh, oh, look at how, how my horse can fling his legs around and look fancy. That's not it at all. And that's one of the things that I so appreciate in watching you work and listening to you talk about the horses. That's maybe the most important part of classical dressage is that we don't say, uh, we ride the horse now straight and put the neck in position and all this. And when we think... He is forward straight and he has a little bit muscles. Then we start maybe to teach him this exercise or this 
to show the exercise and to compete. No, the sense is the other way around. We have the horse and we think immediately what exercise can be good for him. So we use even the high school movements, we use for the health of the horse. We don't put them at the end of the story and now the horse is in, in a moment, he can learn this because everything else is done. No, I look to the horse and ah, for this horse, very soon Piaf would be good to help him. For this horse, as he's very deep with the neck and the walk is very short, the Spanish walk can help. So teach him next the Spanish walk to help the rest. So that's a big difference. And uh, the Piaf is one of the most healthy exercises and brings a lot for the horse. And um, that's also part of classical thing. One thing is the, the natural movement but it should always have a sense for the horse, the movement. So we don't do it just for art. At the end, hopefully, it's also art. But um, we do it first for the horse. And that's very important. Are there with all the horses you have, do you get more horses stick on the latch? Or is it like with us? I don't know. Often is the, the side where the mane is more stiff. The side where the mane is falling is often the more stiff, at 90% even. Where the mane is falling is the stiff side. Yeah. But I cannot tell you, I'm thinking, no, I cannot tell you most of the horses have this or this side, no. Mm -mm. You'll get horses that have the, the split manes. <laughs> and That's a problem for me, I don't know what to do. <laughs> no, but, and, but I mean, not by main on each side, but they'll have some main on the left even side worse, and then even, even worse. worse. But over time, you sometimes see it flip so it's all on one side. Normally, when, when you train the horse well, the main will come to one side. One side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good indicator. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, you have to try. But normally you see some hairs, they really belong to this side and some are a little bit on the other side. And yes, where the main is, is often the stiff side. Yeah. In talking about training, mm -hmm. if, and I have a few, of, well, they're about 18 years old. So this can be done for any age, uh, it, does it matter the age of the horse that you start doing this? Uh, what, what kind of training? The, yeah. the classical dressage. <laughs> yes, of course. Groundwork. Yes. yes. Any time. It doesn't matter. No. Yeah. Just okay. think if a person 60 years old starts yeah. with gymnastic, will not have the same results if you start with a six years old child. Mm. No. So we have mm. to respect this, that we can only do what is possible. But it's better to do a little, even in the age, than doing nothing. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of the horses that I encounter in clinics are lame. Mm -hmm. They have some form of, of unlevelness. And it's often, I don't know what leg it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know really where it is. I just know that this is an un, that this horse, there's something going on. And of course, the, the first step in is let's check with the vet mm -hmm. let's check saddle fit mm -hmm. let's check to make sure that we're not dealing with ulcers that the feet are well managed all of those things but are there i think it, it sounds as though unless it's a active acute tendon or ligament injury that when you have a horse coming in that is lame the answer is to work it. Is that no? When no. when it's a tendon, never no, ever. Never yeah. a tendon. Yeah, and right. ligament also. Never, right. Yes, but, but other all the other things. My experience is that works make it better, and the horse tells you because, for example, you see maybe here this leg, this leg. You make gymnastic and you make it for some days, you start very carefully with 10 minutes or so, and then you see the horse in three days is better or worse. When it's worse, maybe there's something really seriously injured, or you choose the wrong gymnastic, also possible. But when it's getting better every day, you see the horse is asking for the gymnastic, 
and the body needs it. So it depends. So you just have to start carefully and watch the result. And when you feel it's a little bit better, continue. And so you don't actually have to know what was wrong with that horse originally. You may not know necessarily. Mostly we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mostly we don't know. And I have actually one here and they even didn't know the vets if it's in the back or in the front and even not right or left. And I always said it's the right front, like the right front. And um, now suddenly the, the hoof of the right front leg was suddenly broken and uh, was bleeding. And so I was on the right path, but I still don't know what's going on there. But um, yes, of course, now we try to make gymnastic to get weight out of the right front leg. But it's often that the vets have no idea. Mm. Even the black one is here now. I have papers like this with maybe can be that. So at the end, the horse has nothing. And I don't, I don't believe too much in x-rays uh, because often that are excuses. Ah, here's a problem. Because I think the, the story of the bones, we can help a lot with good muscles. What is true is, if you see on the, on the ultrasound, um, the tendon, yes. you cannot do anything. But you, the tendon, you even feel, then it's swollen, it's warm, you feel there is something. But if all is clear and dry and cold, and they come and tell me something of here, bone, 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 I don't know, because the story of the bones, you can do a lot with good muscles. Yeah. And it's clear when you're working the horses. So, for example, when you're this afternoon, when you were working the Piaf and you've got Vera on the horse and you're working on the ground, you have a clear marker signal that you use when the horse has, has achieved mm -hmm. a good moment. And you definitely reinforce the horses. Mm -hmm. Can you speak? And I know it's hard to do it in general terms but what are some of the things that you're looking for in that moment that you're saying ah that was yes there are several things um <laughs> it depends sometimes i just stop him when he makes three or four steps without i touched him because that's what i want that he continues himself so sometimes i try to take the whip away and he makes up 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 i say oh stop Next thing is sometimes I have to see if we really starts to bend the joints and the hindquarters go a little down. That's also because sometimes they are in the rhythm, the horses, but they don't use the back and the legs really in a, uh, in a very good way. But when he starts to use it in, in the sense that he really starts to carry uh, a little bit more weight, I say, ah, stop. So any direction positive, taking more weight, working alone, working a little bit more active. All these are moments you say, ah, stop. That the horse knows little by little, ah, that was good, that was good. And if he kicks, we continue, ah, that was not good because he doesn't know that we want to do Piaf. For him is, ah, I tried, maybe I offer her this or this. He's, he's offering me something. And I have to tell him, ah, now was good. And little by little, we go to the right direction. And so last question, can you talk a little bit about the foundation? Yes, <laughs> yes. The foundation we built, I think, 2009. And is the, the main thing is to keep the classical dressage alive. And also, of course, uh, to protect animals, especially horses. So we have here already many cats and dogs and so on and rabbits <laughs> and pigs and all this the foundation pays for and is the, al along this is a lot of money they all need um, vaccination they all need something against worms they the cats all they are castrated and ah is lots of things and then of course to keep the classical work alive for example they made these trick films because i think it's a very good thing but yeah, because yeah. it was an eye opener for many many people that was something important they have done 
and um, we should add because when you say trick films, people are going to be trick training, trick training. Yeah, but it's that's the um, training with the eye where where you created the silhouettes. Yes, the, yes. The, it's, a, it's a real base. We filmed yes. horses and riders in nature, and then we just made this trick film out of it. First of all, to put it a little in slow motion, and second reason is not interesting who makes the bad Piaf and Passage, is really not interesting. The problem is there are too many bad movements and on very high level, that's yes. the problem. And that is what we want to show, that we are actually on a wrong way. And uh, it is better to show it with these trick films than to say this rider not good, this rider, this rider, because you have all the world against you. But here nobody can say that this is really a good Piaf and everybody can see it. So that was something the foundation made. And then of course we have some old horses here, but also young horses like the black one. And I think we only can change something. Of course we, we um, changed or solved the life of one horse, but it's right. nothing, no? But okay, we, we made it now, it's good for the horse, but on the other side, we should prove that we can train the horse, is not as ill uh, that he, or lame that he cannot do anything. We, I, I will try to show we can train him. And third thing is we want to try uh, to get a change for the horses that they make their tests a little bit later, not so early when they are not three years old, it's much too early. Because like this, we produce a lot of lame animals and they go to slaughter because they just made too much in the beginning. Can you describe the testing process? Because I don't think everybody knows. And yes, knows the problem the is um, that the first test, for example, a 14 days test, test for the stallions under the saddle is uh, very early in the year, so February, latest March. And when the horses are born in May, June, they go to the test when they are not three at all. And if you want to make the test in February or March under the saddle, you should start the year before. So the horse is maybe two years old when they have to start to ride him and prepare him. And that is the problem. And then it's not only that they show the horse in hand and the gates or let him run free. No, it's really ridden and jumping and everything. And this is too much because is in a moment a horse is from two to three, is still growing. Nothing is finished, not the, the vertebrates, not the bones, nothing. And the horse is in the moment of changing teeth. And often, I have one here, often they have infection like the children uh, in school, when they are young, they have many infection. So they continue working. So this one has a heart problem because of this now. And um, all these things are not necessary. If we let them run free until they are three years old and we start calm and we make the test, for example, with four or five. But it's a question of money. And do you see it changing at all? No, there is no change. There, no. no change. The, I see a change uh, that more and more riders start to think, and more and more riders ask questions, and they don't want uh, to ride in a very powerful way where they need a lot of muscles and fight with the horse every night after work. That yes, they ask. Ah, is there maybe a lighter way? That yes, but with the professionals who want to sell the horses, mm -mm, no change, because it works well, the system works well. So the, so the change has to come from the people buying the horses who want... No, I will tell you, the people who buy the horses, often they don't know how cruel it is, and there are many foreign people, they come here, and I understand that very well. For example, you travel from the United States to Germany, you don't want to visit 20 breeders from the north to south. No, you need a lot of time. So you come here to one event where there are already the best horses collected from this country, all of them three or four years old. So you go there, it's one date, one city, and you see the best we have. And uh, you buy there, I understand that. And that makes the system running too. I wanted to ask if you see any change in the judging in the FEI in the dressage no, test. No, no, I don't see. Mm. 
Same problem. Mm -hmm. okay. So what is your hope? What, what would you like to see? What were you, if, so that if you could wave wand. that magic wand, <laughs> what would you hope for in the... Yes, there, um, first of all, that we make um, the system better, more horse-friendly. Then we need more riders still who start thinking. And of course, it would be good if one of the leading riders, one of the idols, would be able to say, oh, I made some things maybe not too good for the horses and maybe there's another way. For example, we try to show another way. And they, these riders, they are technical, really very, very good. Yes. So if you teach them, to, it's a problem of spirit. If you teach them to do it in another way and they are able to release and to breathe and to make it in another way, it would be possible. And if someone of them would start and say, hey, I can present my horse in the Grand Prix with the reins a little bit more loose, but I make it nevertheless better than you. The, the horse should really work better than the others. Then, of course, everybody wants to copy this because they always copy the person who wins. No, that's the one who makes it. So if you are able to train the person who wins in a different way, you can change the whole world. Oh. would be very easy. So go do that. How? <laughs> How? How? Yeah. How? Are you, are you planning, um, you, see, you said earlier, with, with um, for example, the black horse, that you would like to show that it's possible mm -hmm. to train them in another way. So um, are there any plans on, um, I mean, how are you going to show that to the general public other than us coming here once for you and see his progress? Yes, I, also, um, I also travel uh, all Germany with horses and okay. we make demonstrations like here and um, for example, I had, <laughs> I think they will never invite me again, I had invitation of a breeders association last year in the north of Hamburg, so it's 900 kilometers from here, and um, where they make the stallion test for the two and a half, <laughs> and I had to speak by night, and um, yes, some of the officials, they were listening, one of them at the end, he said, thank you for that, and the others were <laughs> not too amused <laughs> and um, for example there I also can bring a horse but I had no horse that fits into this because there is really a big arena for I don't know how many thousand people so you need a horse that's already cool and really shows because if you go there once with a horse doesn't work well and maybe spooky and this you never go again so better to go without horse and maybe one day you can go there with the right horse. And then, of course, maybe there's one or two who think, oh, funny, the rain's not too short, the aids you don't see too much, but nevertheless, the horse works. And that would be good. Yeah. And it's not necessary to go there with an Iberian horse, because all of them think the Iberian horse make the high school movements themselves. They are born like this. So it's necessary to go with a horse all of them have a German horse, so go there with a German horse. Yeah. You've, you've gone there with your beautiful, with the halflingers. And I've they, been in another place. With, yes. yes. That's also a funny story. I went with the halflingers to several things. And what was good, I went there two times in winter and we always had 850 places sold out in January and that's a lot because people have to travel in the snow and so on. So that was really good, 850 is already something. But then I've been on another thing also with the Halflinger and the dressage riders came with the very good movers and good dressage horses. And for example, when the Halflinger makes a little passage, the normal trot of them looks already like this. So <laughs> you are always a little bit the funny uh, person by side, no? Because it's not the same. It's not the same. Even some of them came to, for a halflinger, not bad. And so, but it's different. It's different. It's different because the halflinger makes five jumps of gallop, and they make one in that time. So even for me, the other one looks more elegant, of course. So I do have one last. I keep saying one last question. 
Why no thoroughbreds here? Yes, good question. I had some in the past, but I can tell you it's not so fashion in Germany to have the thoroughbreds. The the few uh, out of the race course, the few we have, they are just used in eventing. There you find some. Then sometimes in the States that they have a stallion for breeding, but they don't let the horse ride. So there are not too many people who have the thoroughbreds here under the saddle. Yes, but I had some in the past. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> in talking about how Germany is obviously where you have been, they're very reluctant to change. Is it something that the change could start in other countries and gradually come back to Germany, if you know what I mean? That sometimes yeah. outside of the area, it may be easier to change. So I, I will you repeat that. Okay, because I didn't, I right. didn't know that it was a, I thought it might be a silly question. Well, no, not silly. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it possible that the change will come from outside of Germany into Germany? I don't think so, because the influence here is too strong. And even if you go to other countries, if I say I'm from Germany, ah, horse, horsey people and so on. There is something, for example, the influence of the Dutch was for a period very, very big, because when they were in first place in dressage, everybody had an eye on the Dutch, how they train and how do this. And that was not very helpful. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was really difficult when they started to ride here, like the Dutch. And um, then even the protectors of the animals came and said, mm, it's not a good idea. So um, I think it's very difficult if it uh, should come from another country, because the truth is the breed they say is the best breed in the world. And it's true if you see the horses that compete, they all have more or less German blood. And uh, the Germans are in show jumping, in eventing. Okay, in eventing we have the Australian, New Zealand and the UK people, but the Germans always play a part also in dressage. Even in the other things, in Voltige and all, the Germans are always uh, there. And they have the good horses. So I think it's difficult. So if we are able to change it here, it would be really, really good. So do that. <laughs> I'm here. No problem. No problem. Just do that. <laughs> this seems like a good place to end. We continued to visit for another half hour or so, but the conversation wandered off into subjects that were more specific to some of the horses we had seen working during the week. So we'll end here by saying a very great thank you to Anya for sharing so generously of her time and of her horses. And once again, Dominique has joined me for another wrap up of the conversation. So Dominique, why don't you jump in again and get the ball rolling. What an amazing conversation this whole interview was. I mean, there's so much for everyone in there. She's really amazing. She's a very inspiring person. And there's, we share so much in terms of spirits with her. Thank you, Alex, for, for getting this interview. It's, uh, it's incredible material. It was uh, just a wonderful week and to cap it off by having the Anya share so generously. You think she was presenting all day long and to take the time in the evening at the end of a long week to sit with us and she and we kept I kept trying to say, you know, I don't want to take we don't want to take up a whole lot of your oh no no I have lots of time. It was just amazing. But she's like that. She's a wonderfully generous person. Yeah, you know, I had um, a feeling a little bit towards the end of the interview, which sometimes I felt as well when I was at Cavalia and, you know, with more into the professional world. Sometimes it feels like the horse world, you know, the system, it's so big. There's so many parts. It's a little bit discouraging when you think about how can this be changed? How can we make it better? It feels discouraging, you know. So, 
you, I, I once read um, an analogy. I would love to find it actually. It was something about the tide in the ocean and how little shrimps influence the tide because of the, their numbers. I don't remember the exact wording of it, but I think sometimes it may look discouraging and it's like, what can I do? You know, just one person right, to change right. all this. It's such a big system. Um, there's so many people profiting it from it. But I guess, you know, we are, all have to do our part. How do you feel about that? Did you, I don't know if you felt that, but I felt some a little bit when she said, you know, has the judging changed? No. Um, she's feeling that the owners are starting to ask more questions, but that the professionals are very happy with the way things are. And I, it, uh, for me, yeah. I, I kind of sense a little bit of discouragement. In, in Yes. So part of what she's wanting to do is to take some of these warm bloods, to take the ones that she has in her barn, and to train them, to rehab them and to show that, yes, you can produce the beautiful movement, beautiful performance. You can produce this using the style of work that she is using, using the classical dressage and the gymnastics. And that you Without don't have the force and the brutality and wasting very, young yes, horses. Yes, and that, that the hope is that those of us who are buying the horses, who are the end users, who are the ones that are going over to Europe to look for horses, begin to understand more of what it is that we are looking for and looking at. And that the hope is that we begin to appreciate how important it is to bring horses on slowly, to take our time, these are horses that, I mean, we're working, we're not, we're not training dogs who are old, old when they're 10 or 12. That's a young, that should be a young horse. They should be. So we're training horses that now with good modern medicine and good modern nutrition, horses can live into their 20s and 30s. And so we can, if we take Live our time, and work. Live and work and thrive. So if, if we really take that to heart and understand that through good, careful preparation, and that doesn't mean that we're putting off riding for years and years and years. It doesn't mean that we're putting off having a great deal of fun with our horses. After all, when you listen to Anya talk, she's introducing the Piaf at a very early stage in the training. She's already beginning to mobilize these horses into Piaf when they're at the beginnings of the training because it's so good for them. And it's such an integral part of developing their balance. So it's not that you have to wait 10 years before you'll be ready to mobilize your horse into Piaf. No, you start early on. But she's not doing this in a month. No. I remember when you told me, I think it was from her workshop last year, where you were... We were watching the Spanish walk. You were asking about the progression, how she taught it and how long it took. And it took her years. Yes. Because she's willing to, she's willing to wait and let it progress in these small increments. And at each one of those, you know, as the horses are working, they are progressing, they're showing good work, they're, uh, they're becoming stronger, they're becoming healthier. But what we're saying is that when she's not looking for the 30-day wonder. You're giving these horses the time to mature, to develop, to develop emotionally, to develop physically, and that when you do that, you have a horse who can be your performance star, your beloved companion for decades, not just for a year or two, but decades. You know what my hope is, is that young people who are learning all the technical writing stuff are yes. also exposed to what we're exploring and the positive, uh, the, the motivation that is 
generated by the positive reinforcement right. and the kinder approach and the rigor of the science and that these young people in a few years will be winning, will become the next idols and will be copied and that it will become mainstream. I don't see how it can go any other way, but that's probably my optimistic nature. Yes. Well, but what for you me, hope... it's just, it's a revolution that has begun and there's no stopping yes. it. Yes. Because... So it may be that the old professionals will resist it, but I'm hoping that the next generation will help to start these things. It will not be changed uh, entirely in our lifetime, but I think... Hey, wait a minute. Here's... <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, I mean, as a mainstream you know, competition, I think it will take a while, but... It may take a while. I'm not optimistic enough. I, th I think you're not optimistic enough because <laughs> I think as as people start to stumble across clicker training more and more and more, and they start clicker training their dogs and they'll be wondering, why, do, why am I... Why am I being so aggressive with my horse when I'm getting such amazing results with my dog? why am I not using the same approach to the training? And that then as they start to clicker train their horses and they see beautiful work, like the work at Anya Barron's, and they say, oh, I want that. And what the clicker training provides is a way of breaking it down so it becomes accessible. And then as they're working with their horse, they're seeing the brilliance of their horse. They're seeing the intelligence of their horse. They're seeing how much their horse wants to be with them and work with them. And you just fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with your horse. And then if somebody comes along and says, you know, that horse isn't quite good enough for you. You need to go get a fancier horse. You need to get a taller horse. You need to get a bay horse instead of a chestnut horse or, you know, whatever the arguments are. Then hopefully people will say, well, you know, I love to compete, but I love my horse more. And so we'll do the best we can, but I'm going to stay with my horse. And that's when the horse world changes. Mm. That's when it changes. Well said. Yeah. So before we leave this conversation, yes, because we promised this little summary of what balance is. Oh, I couldn't remember if it was in this podcast or the previous one, or because I really like this in a nutshell description of what balance is. And so we talked about it at the end of the other podcast. Yes. So I just wanted to. Fulfill my promise. Yes. So the, this little nutshell she said was that balance is weight distributed equally on all four legs. That's simple enough. Yes. Simple enough. Good enough. description. Yes. Yeah. And when you have that, when you have that, it means that you can move with ease in any direction. Yeah. You can move forward. You can move back. You know, because it sounds like, and it is something that is not that easy to get. No. I love the simplicity of this, this, uh, this definition. Yes, yes, yes. Balance in all things, physical and emotional. Yeah, and that too, of course. That too. Very, yep. very important. And, and physical balance leads to emotional balance. That's absolutely seems to be the case with horses and so it's balance in all things. And, and we could relate that to the clicker training as well when you start to think about all the different ways that you can get behavior to happen. So, you know, that you can be really, really good at free shaping, but maybe not so good at targeting or not so good at using, oh, pressure and release of pressure as a shaping tool. And that would be training that where you might be very good in one line, but it's not a fully balanced in the training approach. So the more as you're working with either more horses, more individuals, or in more complex environments, or you're training more complex behaviors, the more different ways you know how to train a behavior, the more balanced your training will become 
in terms of being able to find the best answer for the individual that you're working with. So I'm going to ask you now, Uh what's your, what do you, yeah, well, just what's your, what was your favorite part? What's your take home? I know you loved everything about it for sure, but what do you take, what are you keeping in, in your, after all this, what's your big aha for this year with her or this conversation? I mean, you, you spent a whole week looking at her work almost. Yes. The workshop is, is over a few days, so. Yes, it's over, it, it, it's, it's the whole what week. What was so, it for you this year that was very special? And, and I would say, you know, it's an interesting program that she de- designs, and it's always, each year she tries to present something that's a little bit different. This year, on the first day, she had a man who was a historian in ter- and has looked at uh, the different breeds of horses, and that was fascinating and then and then watching the progression from the young horses and then seeing how it develops as the horses progress within her training so that she'll be will be in the morning looking at the younger horses and then in the afternoon the end of the day some one of the older the 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 senior horses will come out and I think just how stunningly beautiful just beautiful these horses are and how they're uh how much they're thriving they're just thriving is there anything that you think you will add to your training or maybe tweak a little bit after after this workshop this year and this interview I mean, certainly, I know you have a lot in common already with her, this love of balance and, of, right, you know, right. using all the work for the welfare of the horse. I mean, this, this, this is right. why you're going there. Right. I mean, you have for, for a few years, but is there anything? Because it's all these little pieces uh, year after year that um, right, constitute right. the pool just, of knowledge that a, someone has. A deeper understanding of uh, how she's using the gymnastics and when she chooses which exercise for which horse i think that's always fascinating and that came out that came out a lot this year yes absolutely. In the interview yes absolutely and that's that's very central to her work that you're not just doing shoulder in to do shoulder in but then that's also familiar that resonates but i think seeing it year after year done to with such skill and such understanding and so systematically that it's not just sort of hit or miss of, well, let's try this exercise and that exercise. No, she is very aware of how the horses are moving. What are the each individual horse's strengths? What is each individual's horse's weaknesses? And what needs to be adjusted for that individual? And I think that's definitely one of the great takeaways is that it's always a study of one. So I want to talk just before we leave again, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but I think it is so important because in the interview, maybe it wasn't uh, clear enough what she, what she taught when she talks about the trick film that the foundation made. So can you explain that a little bit? Cause I think it's really yeah. important. Have you seen that DVD? I don't know whether yeah. I actually haven't yeah. ordered it yet, but I am ordering it now. Yeah. It's easy to order yeah. on our website. I've yeah. seen the excerpt yes. from it and it's very convincing. And I right. need myself right. to educate my eyes still for all these movements because, you know, when she says there's a lot of bad movements, even at high level, it's good to have a tool like this to help right. us to really sort things out. So, can you. And particularly. Particularly because as clicker trainers, we're interested in precision. We need to have a way of training our eye. And people are forever sending me YouTube clips. And, oh, you know, what do you think of this competition horse or that competition horse? And often I I just, I don't watch them. I can't watch them because I, I don't. I don't enjoy what I'm seeing, but it, but to be able to say, well, what is it? What is it that is in this particular horse that makes me turn the video off or keep the video on? And that's what this training your eye 
DVD was about. So perfect title. Yeah, and it's in and, English. You can get it in English. Yes, you yes. can get it in German, but it's there's also a translation. Right. And, and it wasn't, yeah, and it wasn't about watching a particular writer where you're going, oh, look at so-and-so, they're doing it wrong, because that's not helpful. And all you're going like to she do- she said, you would have the whole world against, against you. you. That's right. So instead, what she did is she filmed at competitions. So this, what she's showing us are things that are- that were real. It's actual footage from high-level competitions. But then the video was with through the modern, you know, what you can do with the with digital special effects. The the horse and rider were turned into a silhouette, a two-tone silhouette. So they disguised you cannot identify. And if it was that you, sometimes you think you're looking at a woman, but they've changed the silhouette enough that it might have been a man. So you can't even say it must have been so-and-so because, you know, it's a woman. So they, they did enough disguising that you cannot identify the rider and you cannot identify the horse. But what you can see is the movement in that horse and there are times when you they slow it down into slow motion so for example in uh some of like in the passage which is that very suspended elevated trot where the horse just seems to float over the ground and you'll see the the, the hind leg go up and do this little circular movement and then come down that's very incorrect it's not it's not what you want it's not what you should be seeing and then they'll compare it to a horse that is that's showing a clean passage and it just helps the excerpt they show on the on her yes, yes. website because you get a five like a five minute excerpt it's really yes. really interesting yes and what it gives you is it gives you the right the right the, the, like you said it gives you the correct way to do it to look at it so it's very much when joe lang shares in in his lectures when he talks about example non-example so this is a behavioral analyst and so we're in a different frame entirely a uh, different world and when he talks about example non-example well i know what a chair is it's something you sit on but is a stool a chair is a sofa a chair is a tree stump a chair no but until i have seen example non-example I don't know enough about what is a chair to identify, well, that thing that you're sitting on, even though it's modern art and it doesn't look like the Queen Anne chair that is sitting over there in the, in the antique store, they're both chairs and I recognize them as chairs. But this weird thing where the, where the hind leg is doing that little circular motion, that gives me enough non-example to understand more clearly what the good example is. And that, that's part of the value of having people like Anya, such as Anya, who have trained with the masters and, and devoted their lives to the study of this classical work, that they can really help us to understand what we're looking at and and then when we're at home in our own barns and we are teaching our horses to mobilize we have a bit clearer path and a bit better understanding of what is it that we're looking at and what is it that we're looking for and i think one of the things that anya shared so beautifully was why we want to do this. That it's not just the ego of being able to say, oh, my horse can pee off. It's that we teach this because it is a very real benefit to the horse. My senior horse, Peregrine, we mobilized him into piaf before he was ever started under saddle and he needed it for his stifles. I don't think he ever would have been rideable if he had not been mobilized. And it wasn't a great piaf. He didn't have the back strength to produce. He was just a little low mobilization, but it was so beneficial for his back. So 
this is something, this is work that I really deeply, deeply uh, believe in because I've lived it. I've seen what it does for horses. And, and so I know that there is this, that this work is of great value. And that's why I am particularly so appreciative that we have, again, people like Anya Baron who are preserving and expanding on this explaining and explaining this great tradition yeah right because otherwise you just look at it and you think it's all the same you don't understand and you may not even think it's beautiful because maybe what all you've seen are examples of the bad movement of the horses swishing their tails like mad and and tight and tense and and you think why in the world would anybody ever want that yeah and absolutely. and so you close your mind to all of it. And yet what I have experienced and know is you want it when it's done well because the horses thrive. Well, Alex, thank you for expanding our horizons, for oh. reaching outside our beloved clicker community to bring us all this information. I think it's extremely valuable and it will make us progress. Yes. More and, and more. And I'll just say a quick additional thank you in addition to Anya, but also a quick thank you to Michaela Hempen, who over the last few years has made such an effort to create the opportunity for me to watch Anya. And I really appreciate her for that. And and this year in particular, it was so much fun going with a great with a group of eight clicker trainers. So who knows? An invasion. An invasion. So next year maybe <laughs> maybe she'll have to add a couple rows of chairs because there'll be so many clicker trainers. And wouldn't that be great? Because that's how we change the horse world. That's how we change the horse world. Yay. So, so let's go change the horse world. All right. Thanks. Right. Bye bye. bye. If you want to learn more about Anya Barron's work, visit her website, anyabaron.de. There you'll see photos and videos of her beautiful horses, and you can also order her books and DVDs. And in 2020, if you want to join us at her workshop, she has already announced the dates. It will be July 27 to August 1, 2020. The week before, Michaela Hempen and I will be holding a clicker training gathering in the mountains above Parma, Italy. So make it a summer holiday. Join us in Parma for a clicker training introduction to gymnasticizing your horse, and then travel with us through the Austrian Alps to Germany and Anya's workshop. For more information on how you can join us for that adventure, you can email me at curlanda at verizon.net. And one more announcement. My main project for 2019 was revising my book, The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step -step guide in pictures. The book was originally published in 2003, so it was time to update the text. I have a lot more to say about everything. So back in December, I set to work packing in even more between the covers of the book. The new edition should be available towards the end of October. I'll make an announcement soon on how you can pre-order your copy. That's it for now. Next week, we'll begin a new conversation series. And in the meantime, have fun with your horses.